You're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're taking a deep dive into your arrows in marriage. So you are probably wondering, what are arrows if you're newer to this podcast? And if you've been around for a while, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. So in a few minutes, I'll make sure to give a review. And I want to remind you that if that feels like a complex topic for you, you can go back to seasons one and two and take a look at my initial podcast episodes on every single one of the types in general, just so that if you're finding out you're a three or a six or a two or a one, whatever your type is, I have an entire episode just for you. And I even take time to go through every single type with your type so that you have a chance to learn just a bit about what it might be like to be married to somebody of all the varying types. Of course, some of you know, I also have articles on truity.com about this as well and I sell my glow pairing guides on this topic as well. So you've got multiple ways that you can learn about not only your type, but your type with others. And that is one of the biggest goals of Enneagram and marriage. But because I want to help those of you who are really wrestling with and doing your type work long-term, I'm taking some time to do some deep dives. So recently you heard me talk about wings and now we're going even deeper into arrows today. So I'm super excited. And hey, even if you're a newbie and you're like, I wanna come along and hear about this, I'm a fast learner please do. We love to be with you. We love to hang with anybody and everybody who wants to listen to this podcast. So before we get to that, I will just remind you that I loved having a fun contest talking about Christmas movies with you guys. I hope you got to hear our fun special episode that Olivia and I just did, our annual Christmas extravaganza. We typed the characters from the movie Serendipity starring Kate Beckinsale and John Cusack. That was a ton of fun. And I hope you got to watch Serendipity for a date night or that you will get to because we just, I mean, that movie is so good. It it brings somebody's marriage up. It helps somebody to get married. It's all about love and even set in Christmas time. So super fun to hear all of your favorite movies over on Instagram too. I have been told by many of you that I have to watch The Family Stone and Love Actually and that I have to do that without the kids around. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Um, but I might be able to get away with a little bit of it with my teen girls. But my son would A, not be interested. B, he's only nine years old. So yes, I totally get that. And he ended up having us, after I shared all of the different wonderful ideas you guys gave, I said, what do you guys think? And my husband being a one is very compliant and like, whatever, I'm good with whatever. And my son, um, cause my girls were out at a Christmas party for dance. He was like, I actually would rather watch. <laughs> this is where his counterphobic six, I think starting to sort of develop ish. Cause he's pretty young to like fully type. Uh, he was like, I'd rather watch Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he's been mentioning that all year. So I'm just laughing because he found a way. I told you he does this where I'm like, okay, I've set aside the night for you. Which of these things? And he's like, how about none of those? <laughs> he's super sweet. So it disarms you because he doesn't have like that eight power where you'd be like, oh, he's an eight. But it's just this cheeky little, I've got my own ideas. And I'm like, okay, this is good. Your ideas are good. So we had fun, him and Wes and I doing that this weekend. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And congratulations to the winner of the contest that we did for that as well. And then we also had our 
um, our, I've been sharing that we're Wes and I, one of our marriage projects we've been writing up and down and up and down, um, was our mystery dinner game crime scene Christmas. And that was so fun to say it released and we got to play it three times, including with the DJ of the joy FM JR and his wife, Christina. So we were so happy because they were the ones who really set out and said, we really want to, um, we want to play one, one of your games. And he had a wonderful, um, he brought Wes on the radio this last week to talk about it. And he said, who wants to come on and talk? And I'm like, I know this is literally Wes's dream. And I'm always doing this podcast. So I'm like, Wes, you do it. Um, so we took time for him to talk. And he was as a one, you know, like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I did a good job. But he did. He did such a good job explaining about our games, being silly, being fun. And then the host shared how he comes alive even as an introvert finally when he plays these games. And I think that was my favorite time with playing it three times with my Reflections counseling staff for our Christmas party and with my good friend Amy and her family. And then also with our friend, the radio host and his wife and other friends of ours. This was a lot of social for me, but it was really fun to see something we had created come alive. And more than that, what was very touching, and I don't usually let myself get into emotions, but was hearing, and I shared this on Instagram, but he shared the radio bit and the Joy FM shared the conversation and leading up to the conversation, they did some giveaways. And I was just touched because when he said, you know, this was like, I never come alive at parties and it was the only time I do. And it was innocent, good, clean fun. I was just like, oh my gosh, like marriages are being helped. And I was so happy because I had to take this project on in faith. And you guys don't know this, but I've told you a little bit. I've hinted that I've given up bigger, different projects so that I could focus on marriage. And some of them have been more about lucrative parts. And this is not, this is not a company I rely on for all my income or anything, but, um, but the mystery dinner game company is a lot of fun. It's just fun. There's no stress for me, um, when I'm working on those games, cause I'm in that five zone. So I have said no a lot to it because I wanted to help marriages. And just to be able to see that marriage of doing that was such a blessing. And I'm so grateful to have friends who will do these crazy nights with us. So, and I know last week when I was on our um, special episode here, I was like, get your supper sluice, go glow guides. <laughs> because I'm just like laughing, like you can't do it all. But I did take some time to do that focus project. And clearly I can't do it all. I have to come back around and come back to my main focus, but it is fun to do that. And then as a marriage, when we got into our flow, it was really good, but we had to really do a dance. So I want to tell you guys, if you're trying to ever, and I recommend it highly, work on fun, long-term projects with your spouse. Don't give up just because it gets hard. Keep doing your work. Keep thinking it through. Keep feeling it through. Keep your instincts in check by what we've been doing all this whole season is pausing and maybe even counting to three seconds if you need more time and reflecting. And for me, I take time alone to reflect. And then I come back to Wes um, and say, okay, you know what? You wanted to be creative for this game. 
I was struggling with that later in the game when I saw what the creativity produced, then I realized it was good and it got me um, away from being overly serious, overly analytical and helped me to relax and have fun. And so all of this created this wonderful dynamic with the friends because we came healthy. We didn't come at odds. And then we were able to produce something beautiful because we kept having to tweak like him saying, I want more creativity or I want to be orderly. And, And I was really allowing him to lead there because I get to do creative projects all the time and he doesn't. So I was like, okay, what do you need to make this flow? But like I said, where I got stuck was when I saw some of the production and I'm like, okay, what if our audience doesn't like that? What if you weren't psychologically aware enough to make this storyline work? And so we had to get into our nitty gritty. And like I said, I came out on the other side saying, you know what? More voices is better. Not just isolation, not just self-preserving, not just one voice, but many. And you guys know that's hard for me. The collective is hard for me. So I learned some things. He learned some things. He was very apologetic about being bossy. And he said, you know, I know once I put an idea down, I could get really bossy with it. So he took some time to really reflect too. And I just want you guys to hear that nobody is perfect. I don't care who they are. If they're a coach or a counselor, if they're if they're doing their work, that's a good thing. If they're not doing their work, you probably don't want to spend time learning from them because life is a journey and we're always learning things. So I'm learning with you. I do not have it all figured out, but what I do have figured out, you know, that's what I offer to you. So today I want to give you a really good training on your arrows and I want to help you to use these in your marriage so that you guys can thrive. Lastly, before we get there, make sure that you definitely check out our planner coming up for 2022 if you're looking for a way to stay focused every single week. Wes and I are going to be using it. It's on enneagramandmarriage.com and you can find our planner and use the code relationship planner if you're ready for a fun stocking stuffer with each other to say, look, I got you this planner. Let's do this. I even have a deeper dive email series if you want to purchase that where I'm giving specific tips all year long. If for instance, you're the type of person who's like, I know I could get the planner, I could get it bound at Staples or elsewhere, I could make it look really pretty or I could even just get a nice binder or I could leave it on my phone, but I know I'm not gonna do it consistently. That deeper dive is for you because I know people are all different. So I have different levels. I have freebies on my website at enneagramandmarriage.com. I have this really deep dive planner where we're going through week by week, all these different tools and trainings for all the areas of stress in our marriages and keeping us balanced in our Enneagram work. And then I even have a deeper dive from that. So I hope that'll be fun for you and happy holidays. Happy Christmas if you're listening at that time of year. Okay, so let's get back to arrows now. So some of you are wondering when I'm talking about arrows, what am I talking about? So briefly, I'll let you know that if you take a look at the Enneagram symbol, there is a mathematical process to it. And some of you may be wondering if we can trust that mathematical process. So I want to just start with, you have to make sense of what works for you in your life. And if today you listen to an Arrows episode and you're like, I don't really get it, or it doesn't really fit with me yet, as I said, that's okay. But if you're really able to see the logic with the math of the Enneagram and also especially the practicality, I think, of using the arrows for your growth, I think there's a great buy-in because obviously you want to exude the best qualities of each type 
And you also want to be able to expand your type and you don't want to just get stuck in the box of your type, both in your life and in your marriage. So using your wings, which we just did on a recent episode, and now your arrows gives you some flexibility and it gives you four other types to really focus on. And that's helpful because like I said, you'd ideally like to exude traits of all the nine types, but the four types that are parts of your wings and arrows, if you look at the mathematical symbol and just take a nice look at the Enneagram symbol on the Enneagram Institute or any of our freebies, you'll see that there is an inner triangle and then there's a hexad and then there's a circle. And what people have tried to do over years and years and years with this symbol is to create a symbol that has a good flow that makes sense for how personalities work. So I think that there's probably even more complexity to uh, God's creation than I even understand, but that is something that is understandable to say. I'm looking at this diagram. I'm seeing that there's two two types around me. Those are my wings on either side. And then there's these arrows that help me to see some more about myself. And those four types right there are important to you. Now your wing work is a little bit easier and just helping you to say, hey, behaviorally, I'm a six. I know if I look at the five and the seven that that helps and I can go first to my five and then to my seven. And that's a nice rhythm I can find for being influenced and healthily influencing my environment and changing some behaviors that I can get stuck in if I lean too far on one wing or another. So if you remember that podcast, we just said, you know what, like use both your arrows, identify which one you do tend to lean on and try to find that rhythm where you go backwards and then forwards to the arrow right after. So first going back, if you're a three, going back to two, then going ahead to four. With your arrows, it's a little different because it's a deeper dive kind of a process. It's actually, some would say, Sandra Matry would say that the arrow that is pointing to your type, like if you're a two, the four is pointing to you and your arrows, if you're a two are four and eight, that that four is your soul child. That's what Sandra Matry proposed. I think that that is a helpful way to look at it, that you're going back to reclaim the type that you just came from. And that's really cool because instead of just saying, I'm a two, you're saying, oh, you know what? Like maybe a part of me had a lot of four traits when I was younger. And for whatever reason, there wasn't time or allowability to sit there and to reflect in my four space. So I think that's a really cool awareness for you. And now you can move on into your eight space. And we're going to get into details on all of them, but I just want to help you to understand whatever your type is. If you look at the arrows, the first arrow that some people will call the health arrow, and some will say the other one is the stress arrow. I really like CP Enneagram and others way of identifying that there's value in both arrows and that there's stress that comes with both and positivity that comes with both. But when you're looking at the one right before that people call your health arrow, I think that that's an important place to say, okay, there's a bit of a reclaiming here that maybe this wasn't allowed in my life. And so I've told you before that five was not allowed in my life as a seven very much just for the the sake of being in a big system with a lot of loud people that you had to fight for what you wanted and you couldn't really set back. But also because in the Detroit suburbs in the 1980s and 90s, there was a lot of 
bullying and you either really kind of had to step in or be bullied painfully if you were in your five space. So I tried to stay there a lot of the time and it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't going to work in that system for me to step into that five space. As I've said, even teachers bullied me. You're reading too far ahead. You're delving in too deep. You're taking over my job. And they're just, there were wonderful amazing people and teachers. I just give teachers of all kinds so much credit, but there was just a lot of darkness in terms of seeing um, in this blue collar town, students excel sometimes. And so I was really hiding that five part of me that could focus. And um, instead of being the four eyed nerd, you know, turning into that popular seven person who was just, you know, getting it done. And so I think sevens are the most practical of all the types in that way that we just are like, hey, nobody else has got this. I'm gonna just get it done. But that wasn't really good. So you'll hear as we talk about each type that if you think back on your type and what is that arrow that is your first arrow, people call your health arrow, like what was that soul child that you lost because you weren't able to claim it? Now, where I labeled this podcast and marriage too, is I think that our spouses, when we're doing this work, they often aren't that helpful sometimes at bringing that reclamation for us because it's this revolution we want to do. And they're like, wait a minute, I don't know this part of you. So it feels clumsy and strange to them as you're trying on your clumsy and strange new behaviors. So it's going to be interesting for you to try to shift with your arrows as you hear this episode and also be in mind that you're part of a family system that may or may not get that. My family system is very social, so they're still very clumsy with my movement to five, just as my teachers were. And I'm still clumsy with it sometimes. Although as you've heard me on this podcast, I've had a lot of time to work with it. I'm getting better because I'm not just going from seven to five. I'm starting to incorporate my one more. And that is something we'll talk about when we get to sevens and what they can do for that. But just as a a, precursor, we can all go to the best and the worst of both of these arrows. And our spouses and children and families and extended families may not be able to jive with us if we don't explain what's happening and give them some awareness and give them some time. Because even if you spend five minutes explaining, hey, I'm just, you know how I love the Enneagram. Well, right now I'm practicing going into my eight arrow or my one arrow. They might just say like, okay, whatever. I still want you to go get the food after this. And you're like, well, no, actually I was hoping to rest or who knows what you were trying to do. Um, They're not going to get it. So you have to really allow them some time to see you delve in healthily to this space. Because like I said, in a moment, I'm going to go on with, well, what is this like if we're not healthy with it? Well, we can do all kinds of crazy stuff and not use our arrows with consciousness and actually bring more harm to ourselves, our families, and our marriages. Um, And then also really cool, as you might have heard when I had Molly Owens, the Truity CEO on, as we talked about the test they've developed to help people to figure out who they're attracted to by way of type. Um, And we talked about the best and the worst of that, like don't use that test if you're married to say I belong with another type, but perhaps say, oh my gosh, I took that test and I found one of my arrows. Um, That is helpful to say, let's bring that into the marriage for a conversation. Maybe it's a, a place that neither of you met at and you're going to strengthen it. Or in this case with your arrows, as you do this work, maybe you find that one of your spouse's wings and 
when one of your arrows lines up and you can say, oh my gosh, you know, like there are two and they have a one wing and I'm actually a four and I go to one and we also share this other line. So it's really nice to be able to say, where are we understanding each other? Where can we help each other? Where can we set up our goals together? And then it's also okay to say, where are our goals different? Because that's a really important place to connect also is, yes, we want to exude the best of all the nine types, but we're not going to come out as cookie cutters with our spouses. We're not going to come out as codependent. We would rather come out as co-regulating, being able to offer them the growth and the joy that we're experiencing from doing our work and the success versus asking them to work at the same pace as us, feeling too controlling if they're not doing the work exactly as we would want, or even if they're not coming out like we are. Because in marriage, you really do evolve a lot. And there's a lot of resurrection going. There's a lot of dying to self going. And so sometimes your spouse or you resurrect in new ways that you never could have envisioned. And that's okay. And that's normal. And if you look at that glow process that I've tried to delineate for you guys, I have a freebie on the whole, all the stages of finding your glow together and the ways of shining, then you guys will understand that you don't have to be afraid of that, but just embrace it as, oh, this is interesting. This is fascinating. We're changing. How can we find our flow again? And let's communicate and not just communicate, but give time for communication to really sink in. Because as I've told many of my clients over the years, a lot of times people's spouses will change if you'll turn around and stop watching. Don't get in their face and say, I need you to do this and then hover around them like a babysitter. Give them time to show you. And as we know in the writer's world, show not tell is a technique you would rather have anyway. So words are kind of fluff, but you can still use them. I still want you guys to say sorry. I don't want you to withhold words because words can be very life-giving, but I don't want you to just be words. I want you to really work on actions. And that means as you teach, being patient, that's an action. And then as you learn, being patient with yourself and gracious, but still making steps ahead. So let's get into the arrows. I'm going to start with one just to keep it simple. And we're going to talk about the best and worst of each type with their arrow movements. So a one can take their route from one to seven to four and do this full movement and say, oh my goodness, I am a, or I am an orderly one and I'm good at being fair and just, and I'm excellent at knowing how to be judicious with everybody and just really considerate and in kind. I think that's one of the best parts about being a one that there's a true care for others, but then they can add to that. There's seven, which also allows them to relax and to say, this is going to be fun. I don't have to be completely hovering and angry as I work on how to be helpful and how to be ordered. I can let loose. I can allow fun into my life. And I can also even dream and have creativity and follow through on that because I've got the one and the seven going. And then they can even add to that further by when things are looking kind of black and white to them, they can take that journey to four and delve into the compassion for others that they really can do a great job with. And this, as you remember, I just said they can use their nine for this also. But when they delve into the four, not only do they do that work of being more compassionate and able to see others' feelings experience, but they also can start identifying their own feelings. And this can be a very painful, startling journey for a one. And even ones who shine out in the world can have such a hard time with this because 
going to those emotions feels big and raw. And so I want to remind you that when you do that, I do have a freebie on my page called the Refresh Prayer Cycle to help you not to get stuck in just angst and lament, but to help you to take a journey when you're in that space. And you could put it to song. You could just say, I'm giving myself 10 minutes. I'm giving myself an hour or taking the whole day. But you don't have to stay there. In fact, you're not supposed to stay there. So don't worry, ones, that it'll be less efficient. You'll actually have more health. Your partner and your kids will want to be around you more once you do this journey that feels impractical to you of being with your emotions, sitting with them. And um, it'll be just a beautiful process and result. But you can take that lament. And then, of course, you can head back into gratitude and healthy planning so that you don't just stay there. And you can head into healthy fitness if you need as well. But I do want to let you know that if a one is not doing this journey, they can take their seven and take it in a direction that leads us all to see them as immature and kind of a bipolar-ish move. Like, wait a second, I thought you were this domineering one and real serious. And now you're just heckling over here and making sarcastic jokes or being infantile. So it's important that uh, a one learn how to be still responsible, but also let loose in fun, healthy ways that they actually like, and not to take it to a burning sarcasm to get their anger and resentment out. So that's an important reminder for ones. And then also not to take the four journey into the spot of, okay, I am jealous and envious. Everybody has it better than us. Not seeing deep And that's a spot that a lot of ones get really caught into when they're just coming to see me for the first time and they can't literally think of anything kind about their spouse. And that's why they're with me. I can help them to think of kind things about their spouse, but they really do well when they first allow themselves this arrow journey that says, I can do my hard work, but then I get to play and I get to play in a way that is fun and meaningful to me as a seven. It's a little bit more self-indulgent in a good way because they release stress and tension and the feeling that they have to be relied on instead of God. And they really get deep with that four emotion and they, instead of a rain cloud sitting at the top of them, they now have this release. And so this is so much more attractive at attracting a mate or being in a marriage. And now they're way less likely to judge and to feel like they know better than their spouse about their own life and to feel resentful and angry because they're like, you know what? I don't get it. I don't get what it's like to be you. And I don't believe that everyone has it better than me with their marriage. I actually realize that there's a lot of crap that people deal with that they don't tell and they put on a happy face and they have pains that I would never even see. And there's just this enveloping of, Yes, doing their wing work is helpful for this too, but these arrows just taking them to that space of I'm allowed to be creative, I'm allowed to be fun, and I'm allowed to go deep with myself and others. And now I can come out on the other side in my marriage and family with a lightness. And seeing a one with lightness is a beautiful thing. As I share it with Wes with our mystery dinner games, he's just more fun than me a lot of the time. And then Jen, my executive assistant, who's a sunshiny one who's fun. And you guys are going to hear her on the Deep Dive podcast that we're putting out in January. And 
Jen is now Enneagram and Marriage Certified. So in addition to her teaching and other major learning she's been doing in her life, she has taken the time to go through my 24-hour, actually more like 36 hours when it was all said and done, course on Enneagram and Marriage deep dives for those who are coaches and counselors and wanted to do that training. She is all set with that and she has turned in an amazing essay and she is certified. So I am so excited about that. But I'm telling you that ones when they set their hearts to uh, their goals and prioritizing what did they want to do in their lives, as well as taking care of their families in an organized way, but, but taking it slower and not quite at this aggressive pace of some ones and feeling like they have to do it all. There's a joy that comes out and there's a beauty that comes out. And now Jen is sharing her gifts all across the world with not only the students she teaches all across the world, but now with Enneagram and Marriage too. And she's just such a bright spot in my life. So I'm glad when I have a one like this, as well as my hubby, who's always doing his growth too slowly but surely, just as I'm doing mine, slowly but surely. Okay, so type twos, we know that their growth journey is going to involve the arrows four and eight, and those are gonna be the routes actually. It's gonna be their two, heart of love and the ways they serve others, and then they're going to move into their four space where instead of just serving others, they go back to their soul child, if you will, and say, okay, you know what? My feelings are important were important and being thought inhibited, I'm allowed to take time for self-reflection. So that's important for you to realize that twos really need time to self-reflect and to dig deep, just like I said with ones, um, because ones have to have that. Twos really do as well. We all need it, truth be told, but twos are serving all the time and they can be that Martha in the Bible of, oh my gosh, like I have to take care of you, 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 and you in order to find love. And when they embrace their four, they realize all along that they were allowed to take some time out to process their emotions and their stuff and think critically about their lives in contemplation. Now, of course, they could get stuck in an unhealthy place with that and really not come out and just say, look, I've given my whole life. It's time for me to be selfish. But we want to achieve balance when we start doing our Enneagram work. We don't want to be an extremist with our new positionings. So that's an important reminder for our twos out there. Don't stay stuck there. Um, Fours can be so self-indulgent and twos can already struggle with hedonism and pleasure. So we really do have to say there too, go there, do your thinking work, get some self-care, do some reflection and allow the emotions in and just don't stay there all day because we love how you serve. In fact, after that four movement, your next arrow, which I like to say we're reclaiming that four and we're plunging into the next, plunging into their second arrow here is their eight. And the two here, whether in life or marriage, is more bold, has opinions because they've thought out what they really think and feel. And now they're going to share it with love, not with aggression. And so we know too is when they're going to this arrow in an unhealthy way, they can share aggressively push, manipulate too hard onto people to get their needs met. But now when they've incorporated this four, they're like, I can, I can do this. Like I know I'm worthy of love and I'm not going to go just to that self-loathing side of four, but I'm hopefully going to that side that says, gosh, I've processed my feelings and my creativity is emerging. And again, that rain cloud is kind of dissipating and I'm seeing what's on the other side and I have hope again. That's the movement and, and put some gratitude in if you're not going there. Just as I said to ones, do my refresh 
prayer cycle or one of your own ways of connecting with gratitude, but make sure that you are connecting with that so that when you head to your eight here, that you are revitalized. That's a beautiful space for you and the world. And now you're stepping into the world with all kinds of power, which is so exciting and beautiful for me to see the twos in my life do this. Man, is that so gorgeous to just see. And I see it a lot. There's a lot of healthy twos in my life. Okay. Threes are really stepping in first to their six and then their nine space. And this is an important move because threes really are powerful in the sense of how much of goal getters they are. They're really good at getting the job done and they're glorious in their presentation of things. But when they use their sixth arrow appropriately, they're not just heading into anxiety and troubleshooting that's negative and and just like I have to keep going, I'm cynical and my wit is biting and I'm sarcastic. It's instead a place of vulnerability with friends and saying like, I not only am a caring friend, but they are a caring friend and they also are looking for caring friends. It's not just loyalty to friends because of name or name dropping. It's friends because these people have been around a lot and you don't care what they look like and you don't care what their status is. You're just friends with them and you're that kind of friend too. That's a really good place for threes, but it's also really important because threes struggle with their own self-esteem sometimes and sometimes they're better friend than others are to them. And now they start fighting for, oh my gosh, I deserve self-worth. I don't have to have friends that just walk all over me because they can be romantic in partner's life as I've talked, but they can also be a romantic friend in that way of like, whatever, I don't have to get anything from you. I'll just be the giver. So this sixth space allows them to say, I'm going to find a caring group and I'm going to look for health. I'm going to really observe that. And when I'm anxious, I'm going to process that. I'm going to take time to process it and address it instead of just pushing past it in my three or the next arrow move slothing out in nine. Um, Cause as you know, a lot of threes can just totally plop down and say, I'm in my nine and it's either their full throttle or it's total binge of 24 hours of or even 48 hour the whole weekend of just sitting and around. So it's important that they rest in their nine space that they're not judging everybody in kind of a three I'm better than you thing or worse than but just hey we're all here I see the perspectives of everybody and I'm taking my rest a couple of hours versus all days on and on and on and just being able to indulge for a little while and I want threes to know that they're in the triad along with sixes and nines of the harmony group and this is relevant here because this is interesting that their arrows are three, six, and nine, and those are all very earthy, materialistic spaces. So they do need to use their wings a little bit to help to get them to care about others. And not that nines and sixes don't care about others, but it can be a lot about material comforts if you're in this earthy kind of triad and and obviously all three types are so sixes and nines need to hear this also but threes really need to to use their wings also and to delve deep into that two and that four space to just say okay I have a huge heart for not only comforts and status and maybe just the material gain but but actually just caring for others. So I get emotional, I get soft and your arrows here are going to help you to do that a little bit towards yourself. As I said, with that six arrow and with that nine arrow, helping you to not judge. But I also want you to know 
you know, use your wings here too, because you're in a particular grouping that could be all practical material, like what's going to bring me comfort and success. And it's like, well, it is about that to a degree, but really life is best spent giving even more than receiving. And we do want to balance there, trust me, but you don't want to get caught up in only material comforts for sure. So make sure you do those places. And I, I think as a three, you're in such good shape and your, your spouse will long-term appreciate it if you're using those wings too. And they'll love the comforts with you. And they'll love to see you balance, by the way, as a, as a three. Fours have arrows to one and then two. And so when they take this arrow journey, they're reclaiming the type one space first. They are going into back to order, back to action, and back to doing good things for the world. Instead of sitting all the time in self-loathing or envy, they're going to, oh my goodness, this is something I can do. Maybe somebody put them down and ranked them in a, a nasty way and told them they couldn't do something, or maybe they just felt that they weren't unique and special enough to get moving. But when they just embrace that one side of them that was maybe lost developmentally somewhere, they realize whatever happened with my self-worth, I have a lot of good to give. I have a lot of detail. And I will tell you with fours, it's a slow journey. It is not a fast journey because neither fours or ones when they're at their best are frantically, aggressively running. They're actually taking their time and realizing that they need time to process and to create well, and that they can do small bits at a time and not just sit in that space of, I can't do it. I'm not good enough to do it. I better just contemplate this as a four or like I said, feeling like a one who's like, I can't do anything because I don't have time for anything creative or to do anything well. I just have to keep cleaning or going to work or, you know, there's a lot of monotony that can develop if any of these people who have a one arrow take the one into the wrong direction. The right way of using your one, of course, it's going to be multifaceted with all the permutations, but it's going to actually be a really cool journey because you're going to say, I am actually getting more orderly, more organized, and more action-oriented, and I'm doing more of what I like, even though it's going to take me time. And then when they do the move to two, they're going back and reclaiming a presence in society. Twos are often more extroverted and able to get needs met from others and just daringly take a risk to be in relationship. I don't know if twos think of themselves as daring, but they are because they're going out and making and taking up space and saying, look, I have some wonderful gifts to share. And when it's not done pridefully, that's a beautiful thing that fours can do instead of just heading into sorrow in their marriages or their lives and saying, I must contemplate, I must react, I must process what I'm feeling, and I must be envious. They're saying, nope, I take up space, I do things, and these one and two arrows give me permission to do that. And that really makes them even more attractive to their spouse and approachable because they're not so withdrawn and there's not so much stuffy anger in there. Because a lot of the times fours can be stuffy with their anger because they're like, I'm going to stay in contemplation. I'm almost addicted to staying down here in the basement and not coming back up. And that can send out confusing messages to family and partners. So it's really nice to see them doing their arrow work. Okay, fives doing their arrow work, head first to eight and then to seven. And fives going to eight really take time to 
be aggressive in a good way. And yes, you can be aggressive in a good way because some things, frankly, need to be spoken up for and need to be dealt with in life. And so aggression doesn't have to be bad. It just needs to be uh, solid. It needs to be respectful and it needs to be uh, focused. And so fives can bring in their focus and then say, you know, I'm really passionate about something. I'm going to speak up on it. And then finding people and even a spouse in time, like I said, this all takes time that can respect that positioning. But when fives do this move to aggression in an unhealthy way, I spend a lot of times with spouses of fives who say, my spouse barks out orders at me. They're mean, they're nasty, and they just go to this dark, evil place. And it's like, that's them not knowing how to use their arrows where they're like, I do need to speak out. I can use my voice. I have good things to say, but they have to do this with temperance. They have to do this with taking their five with them on the journey, frankly, so that they're not just doing this on their own as a an eight who's really not in a good, you know, obviously not in a good place. So I think that that's an important space for them to first bring the five with them to the eight and be focused, be loud if they need to, but not yelling aggressively at people, just vibrant loud and just, Hey, this is really important. This is something I want to bring to the family's attention. And it's also stepping into their competency here instead of feeling just incompetent and able to, um, kind of not move and, and especially, oh, I need more research before I say anything. It just says, you know what? Life isn't perfect. I'm going to do my best. This is what I've got. Here I am as an eight. And then heading into that seven space allows them to really, instead of going to seven and having too many ideas going, and just like we said, research that really doesn't have any end, the seven that says, you know, I can actually make something practical out of this and I can put it to use and we can tweak as we go. We can create and then recreate and then tweak what we create because I'm focused, I'm a leader, and now I'm also really stepping into innovation. And so I think that when a five does this, they have the potential to bring genius into their family and they are right in the middle of the Enneagram as a five. So they really have a lot of perspectives. It's a really cool space. So make sure that you respect your five if they're your spouse. Um, help them to see how strong and competent they are. Speak that into their lives. But fives, don't just bullet point everything. Come at people with love and fun in your seven. And yes, power in your eight, but do come with that five on your eight journey so that you're not just coming in with force, but with really your mind as well and what would really help people to see what you're doing. And recently I had a five say to me, you know, I'm doing the steps because I'm, I'm able to, you know, use my five and my eight, but don't forget you can get really lost in just a couple of your arrow moves. Make sure you add in the fun so that your spouse doesn't think that you're just a tyrant or somebody who doesn't have any heart. You want them to see your joy and that too will luckily come as you step into your seven space. That is a place of joy. And I know that fives can be what people would say dry texters. My daughter, who's a nine, would say these friends and these friends, these are more dry texters. Um, yes, fives can have that. And some may not say they're as fun, but they are fun. You just have to know the route that they have to speak out. They have to focus and then they have to do something relaxing and for fun. And that's a really good space in their marriage. So schedule that fun in and uh, fives do need to schedule it in. Sometimes they need to buy date night kits, etc. Whatever you need to buy, do it. It's worth it. 
But I think that we're really making the point that if you're a five or you're married to a five, remember that the energy is part of the cycle because five struggle a lot with avarice or greed of energy. And so when you're actually considering like, what will change my five? What will help them to be healthier or what will change me? It's first that eight step of getting into action and knowing there's a synergy that happens when you do that. And I talk about that a lot with you guys. So you know this by now and you can do it. I believe in you. Okay. Sixes who are already so good at knowing when the shoe will drop and knowing how to treat it when it does drop and expecting the worst and sometimes being negative and just being able to see ahead and think ahead. Like there's so much good to this, but it can be exhausting and it can wear them down. And before they can really get anything done, they have to work on relaxing themselves. And that's where their nine arrow comes in and Actually, what's interesting about them is you'd think about soul child being relaxed and not as agitated and concerned with security and concerned with finding the right leader and the right route. It's like there's this peace, like it's going to be okay no matter what. God's got this. I've got this. I'm a good planner. I know that I am. And now I'm going to rest and I'm going to have fun while doing it. And I know a lot of sixes who go to their nine spot just beautifully. And I know hopefully those listening, you've already practiced this and you're good at that. And you know your favorite shows or your crime shows or whatever you sixes like. I know a lot of sixes like those things, they get attached to the same saga again and again. Or like I said, the crime stories to get inside the minds of a criminal because it's so far against who they could ever be with being such caring people that they just love to figure out things and be a bit of a detective. So that's a lot of fun. But then when they're done in that nine space, just like we said to threes, don't stay there all weekend. Don't stay there all day because you're in doubt about your gifts. Stay there and go there because you're like, I'm good. I've got the plans. I've released them to God, the ones I don't know. And now I'm headed to relax. Now you can pick up your type three space. So that's why you should probably only stay most of the time in that nine space for up to a couple of hours and then move back on out to three. And even if you can't plan something perfectly once again, just go for it. It's time to goal set. It's time to remember that adage that we always are telling ones, nothing is perfect. Just keep making new revisions, new revisions, new revisions, but not before you produce anything. Put it out there, get it out there, whatever you're going to say and do. And this is also what we say to fives. Just know that, yes, there's always more research that can be done. There's always more planning that can be done, more perfecting. And that can be part of your process. If you write a business plan for yourself or if you are in a business, you know that they have a plan and that plan involves just some long-term and some short-term goals, both. And just keep those in mind and say, you know, is what I'm going to do getting in the way of either my short or long-term goals? And most likely it isn't. Most likely it's, we need some troubleshooting. We need to know if this is going to work. We need to test things out. So just have some fun testing in your three area, seeing what works and what doesn't. I just don't want you to hit stagnancy. And this goes for your marriage too, when you're thinking about what do I do? I'm worried. I'm going to panic in my six space and not do anything in my nine space. This three gives you some action steps. It gives you some availability to say, okay, I've tried these things curiously. And now I'm coming back to the drawing board for more ideas, more goals, and really not just being goal oriented in the marriage, but but being in the marriage. And that's something that really happens best when a six has taken some time to calm down in their nine space versus going right from 
that six space to the three space of like, I'm frenetically worried, now I'm frenetically doing. I'm frenetically worried, now I'm frenetically doing. So you can see that adding in the nine just gives you such a leveling. And again, do use those wings so that you don't just end up being all that harmony earth triad where you're like, oh, I whatever materials and whatever things I can get, that's my goal. Be, be thoughtful and be a bit idealistic too and relational when you're making your goals so that they're not just about your comfort. Okay, type seven, we really want you to end up, and I already said a little bit about it, taking the route from seven back to soul child five and then on to one. And I think a lot of sevens are good at staying in seven all the time or going to five all the time. And making that full route or knowing the order really does change things up for a seven. So make sure you're thoughtful about that order because if you go to the unhealthy one and you just start getting critical of yourself and others or you're in your seven space and you're not even critical at all and you're just bouncing around ignoring all the problems, you're really not doing any good strategizing, planning, troubleshooting, which is kind of your birthright as a planning type. So make sure you first take your seven innovations into your five to focus and then get organized in the one zone because focusing is great, but you could focus as a seven or a five in a lot of different areas. And you could say, oh, we're going to do this and I'm just going to buckle down and do this all day. And that's really not practical if you've got a family or a marriage where that spouse needs attention or the kids need attention or the chores need attention. Seven and five aren't as much going to get you there. So the five part of you can build in some routines and some tiger time where you're like, okay, I do this project for two hours and then I go to my one space and then I organize our day, our home, our life. I think judiciously. I don't just think as a seven and a five in terms of safety. I think of goodness and rightness. And hopefully you're pulling in some feelings somewhere in there as well. And you have either take some time in your five to go really deep into your feelings like I do sometimes, or maybe you look at it as a tri-type like, okay, okay, seven doesn't have any feeling per se because they're arrows and their wings, none of them really touch feelings. So you say, you know, when I'm in my five contemplation zone, I'm going to th think through my feelings and I have to think to get to my feelings a lot of the time. But I also really like to consider that tri-type comes in right here where we say, well, wait, if I had to choose between two, three, or four in the feelings triad, which one do I relate most with and which one do I get caught most with? And that's an important step for a seven right here. Just as for a one, it's important for a one to say, oh my gosh, I'm a one, four, seven. And those are all three idealistic types. And I have to make sure that I'm also practical and earthy and relational. I think a seven right here just has to say, like, what are the feelings going on underneath? So I don't just actively work in my one zone, focus in my five zone on my work goals, and then on seven, just be innovative. They have to actually say what is going on feelings-wise so that I can address it. And that's always going to be hard for a seven unless they remember this rhythm. Like, okay, you, you're going to do that, but you're going to come back to your busy one. You're going to be focusing on what are those feelings, and then you're going to come back into action and get organized. So that helps the seven to feel stable. Like, okay, you're not just delving in and you don't have to stay there all day. You're just kind of troubleshooting to see what's going on in your life, focusing in on it a bit, and now organizing some steps to do. So try not to use your arrows as 
ways that will take you down as a seven, like I said, with the criticism of self or others, or as I've done before, just staying in that five zone all the time. You have to have balance and a flow. Okay, eights, you guys have two arrows that go from eight, then you're moving into two, and then you're moving into five. So for you, that soul child of the two was a place of nurture and softness, and you didn't have to worry so much about vulnerability. You could really be with people without the consequential worrying of, are they going to take advantage of me? There was a giving that really, at a two's best, Is it really asking for everything back manipulatively? Isn't giving to get, they're just helpers and they've honed in on what's good to help with. They've taken a pause and eights really do well to take that instinctual pause for at least a few seconds to say, what's going on? What could I do to make things better? What can I do to make things healthier for me and this other person? And then they love to help. Oh my gosh, they're such big helpers. And then we have that route to five where they're actually moving into focus and rest now because eights can truly ping pong, eight, two, eight, two, eight, two, and not finish up with five. And they're just like, well, I'm just so hungry for that soul child. And they deal with lust for more. So it's like, okay, I found my niche. I'm going to help. And it's so important that they instead say, oh, but you know what? Actually, for me, I have to remember the opposite of five. I actually have to remember that energy and resources are limited. So I have to go back there and take that that side of five. Because just as we wouldn't want five to never forget that they could rest and a five never will forget that, by the way. But an eight would. We Eight needs that five space. It's a very healthy, safe space for them. And they may have to explain it to their spouses. Like I said, our spouses aren't always used to these routes and are confused when we start to operate in this different manner. So everybody takes a lot of time to shift. I can't stress that enough. And then lastly, the type nine is going to have a similar rhythm to what we said for sixes and threes, but their ordering is a bit differently because first they're doing their their powerful peacemaking and revolutionizing in their nine zone, but then they're moving from there and they're headed right into their three zone next because they've got all this good perspective from their nine peacemaking and they have the right action from that as well, but now it's time to do something. So they step in and instead of being just jealous or smiley about other people's success and saying, you know, I'm going to smile even though I'm kind of annoyed that they brag and do their own thing. They're kind of entering in and saying, you know, it's kind of fun to shine. It's kind of beautiful to just do what I'm made to do and doing it well. They're not feeling envious anymore about not being heard. They're not feeling anymore that their gifts aren't being used. They're stepping in and shining gloriously. And it's a beautiful place for them. And I also think that that's an action step where if they need and have extra bodily energy, they need to work out there so that when they come back to their sixth space, that they've both worked hard mentally and physically. And now they can come back to six as a loyal friend, as a witty counterpart, as somebody who is good at troubleshooting and planning and knows how to prioritize their to-do list versus doing them frantically or scattered. And yeah, this is a really healthy relational part of a nine going to that six journey. And they're not just taking that journey as somebody who is looking to others to guide them for authority. They're, They're definitely leaning in on, I have something to say and something to do. And yet I do want community. Nines are often very extroverted at the end of the day when they are finally being seen and heard. And there's less resentment and sitting back in their one wing 
And they just, they know they matter. They know they're valuable. Sixes often know this and they want to protect that. And now nines are at that place where they're like, yeah, I want to healthily protect myself. I matter too. So it's a really cool circuit. And I've seen it go the other route, of course, where nines are not aware of their bodies. They're not hardworking. They're just forgetting. They're sleeping to things and they're highly anxious. And I, I one of the first things I want to get you guys to do is taking good care of you and shining out there and then helping you to come back and have some healthy troubleshooting for yourself because you do matter. So that was our big last kind of deep dive for this year and this season. We're going to be starting our next season, if you can believe it, in just a couple more episodes because we're going to be starting a new fresh season with season four of our podcast. I cannot believe we're already to season four. And I try to break them into meaningful, practical chunks. In this one, we really did a whole good season on learning to pause and really starting our deep dives with some preliminary on wings and arrows. And just, I really took the time to answer all the questions that you guys had that were leftovers from this past year. So I hope that you liked hearing about getting organized this semester and from some more of the glow pairings. I hope you loved getting to truly just dive deep with me into wings and arrows again, because as you know, we're going to be diving into each type on a very deep dive next semester. We've been really having fun and actually taking more time than we even planned on our deep dives. They were actually completed a couple months ago, but we're just adding details that we want you guys to have because we want to make these deep dives really, really good for you. And we really also are excited about those podcasts coming up and we're going through the planner on the podcast all next year. So make sure you get your Enneagram and Marriage Planner because we're going to be going week by week through that as well. We have some great guests coming up for you guys. I have the one six glow coming up that I'm thinking of and I'm so excited for that one because you guys asked for that one several times and I have a great podcaster doing that one with us. And then we also have Elizabeth Bennett from Enneagram Life coming on. I know Hannah and I are going to be taking a fun time talking about the notebook with you. I'll definitely have to get Wes on. I would love to do a whole family episode, but we'll see when that's the right timing. He and I are going to be going through our Enneagram and Marriage Glow Relationship Planners on Friday morning, so maybe I can catch him for a podcast sometime. But what I really will love to do and my favorite thing to do is just to encourage you because you have every availability to live life intentionally to be thoughtful, to be full in your heart of love for others, to treat your body with respect and nurture. And it's a learning process all of the time. So let's finish up the year strong. You'll see me on the next episode talking with my daughters about the Enneagram and parenting and your teens just before Christmas here. We thought that would be a fun episode for you guys. And I will have one more episode and then we're done with this year. Can you believe it? So even if you're not listening at the end of the year, this has been another big year in our culture, a very, very big year. We are all completely just going through all these crazy motions of our world. And I, it's been two years of hard times. So I really want to say to everybody, good job. You are a complete rock star if you made it through the last two years with any semblance of yourself. And yet we've been trying to do all this deep growth. So I just so give you credit. I hope you have a really good week as you're planning out your Christmas and how you're going to um, manage everybody in your family, but also let them go and let God manage them. So God bless you as you work on that completely crazy cycle I know we call life. I'm going to be heading up to Michigan with all my tons of nieces and nephews and my husband and my kids this week. And I hope to tell you that we had a really fun time 
after that too. So have a wonderful week. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye-bye.